listening to Treasuring Scripture, a podcast of the weekly teaching ministry of Lebanon Baptist Church, Roswell, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us at LebanonBaptist.org. It's a particular joy for me um, to sing with you. I've got the kind of voice that's supposed to be sung in a crowd. And I enjoy it thoroughly. But there's nothing like singing his praise, is there? It's such a unique gift from God. And you can do it alone, but it's not so good. But it, uh, when we do it together, it's an amazing, amazing uh, time of worship. And, and your musicians are very gifted and, and obviously deeply want to serve Christ. That's what comes across. And, and that helps us, doesn't it? Because Christian music puts words to our feelings that we have a hard time expressing, correct? It's like, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> it's like, yes, I'm not the only one feeling that way. I'm not cra- well, I might be crazy, but I'm not the only crazy one. It's, it's just an it's just uh, incredible gift from God. That's why Psalms is one of my favorite places to go, and that's why we're doing Psalms three, three times today, only two more. But they're true, they're honest, they're candid, and they help these, this was the Holy Spirit helping these people to put their thoughts in their heart and their agony and God's truth together in a way that was completely accurate and just what God wants us to hear. And so it's, it's special stuff. Um, forgiveness. And you, this is not, this is not in... Psalm uh, 32, that's where we're going. But I'm going to read some other text to you. In case you're thinking, what translation is he reading from? (laughs) And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. Having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to his cross. What a picture of this lots of levels of forgiveness, and we're going to talk about a different level in a moment. But it all begins with the most basic and powerful understanding of forgiveness in that God in this love, when we respond to the work of his spirit and his truth, and he, he saves us from our sins, it's forgiven. It's once and forever and always. We remember them. People you know remember them. And I don't know how it works. How, I don't know how God forgets anything, but he does. Our sins that are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. That's Psalm 103, verse 12. Another one, Micah 7, verse 19. He will again have compassion on us. Again. Do you ever in your, in, in your saying, God, this is me again? And it's this again? Yeah. Psalmist had the same problem. will again have compassion on us, Micah 7, 18, 19, excuse me. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast 
all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Wow. And one other uh, New Testament reference, Hebrews 8.12. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities. Not saying they're okay, or they weren't any sins. They'll, They'll be merciful to our iniquities, and I will remember their sins. What are the next two words? No more. I mean, that's a woe, isn't it? We'll remember our sins. Your spouse will probably remember your sins. Your children certainly will. And, And I don't know how this works. I just know it's true. There's a lot of things about God that are true that we can't understand. And he tells us that. He says, look, your head's this big and my greatness is this big. You can't fit it in. So you're going to trust me on this. But he says... I will remember their sins no more. There is this grand, great, ultimate forgiveness um, that comes to us when we see ourselves as sinners. God opens our eyes to what was clearly true all along, that we are sinners and lost and, and, and on our way to damnation. And he steps in and he cancels the debt. He doesn't give us better terms. Okay, I'll cut you a deal. I'll cut, cancel half your debt. The debt... He cancels once and forever. When we come to saving faith in Christ, we are forever saved from all of our sins, no matter what. And and that forgiveness is clearly foundational to, to what's going to be said about the ongoing forgiveness as true believers who have been forgiven of all of our sins. And our sins are in the depths of the sea. But then then there's our lives and we have to live them out. And And David was very wonderfully used of God through some wrong choices and some right choices to really paint a picture for us about what forgiveness really brings, what it does for us, how precious it is. It's, it's hard to appreciate and value what someone gives to you if you don't know, okay, if you know the gift you're not, you're not uh, inappropriate, but if you know the gift costs you them five bucks, okay, well, if that's your grandchild, that's a big deal because they were saving their pennies, okay? But if that was your wife or your husband, five bucks, okay. Uh, but when that gift costs an enormous amount, even a friend laying down his life for a friend, the price of that gift is takes the gift and gives it incredible power and value in our lives. And so the price of forgiveness was Christ, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And because of that, because he has forgiven our sins, we can experience that in our lives. Okay, so um, as believers, we understand, believe, and value the once and for all forgiveness of our sins. But then there's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and, and our real lives where we live. And then there is our, our we really, you know, it's, it's true of every day of our life. So we really ought to get good with understanding how this battle's fought. Like, how, what's, what's going on here? Am, am I overly sensitive and, and, or am I just ignoring sin? And what's, how does this work? What is, what, what is this all about? Well, 
David writes Psalm 51. We're not studying that one right now. But in Psalm 51, it's a, it's a glorious passage because it, it comes after uh, uh, the prophet Nathan put his bony finger in David's face and said, David, thou art the man. And David could have said, off with your head. There were other kings who did that with prophets. But, but David uh, truly repents. And, and he is, it, it, the, the picture there is just a perfect model for how someone would confess their sin. There's no excuses. Her name never comes up, does it? Doesn't come up. And and all that David says, it's my sin and it's against you. And it's awful. And and all that David desired was not to be rich and famous, but God would cancel that debt. Because if God cut it in half, it'd still be too much. He'd have to cancel the whole debt and restore fellowship with him. And, that's, and, and there's no excuses, and, and it's specific, and he names it a sin. And so Psalm 51 is a really excellent model, a picture for us, an illustration for us on, on what it means to, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what is that? Okay, that happens, okay? Now, where we're going to go now is that's in there where it's, because 1 John 1, 9 says the, the, the time embedded in there is if we keep on confessing our sins, he's faithful and just to keep on forgiving us our sins and to keep on cleansing us from all unrighteousness. So we're, we're going to emphasize in Psalm 32, which is our text, on the day by day dealing with sin in our lives. How do we do that? Because it's important. If you think last week's bath is doing it for you, it's not doing it for your neighbors right now. There's, there's the once and done of our glorious salvation, and then there's the everyday slugging it out in the battle between flesh and spirit in our lives, which isn't over till we breathe our last, which was one of the big reasons among many where the Apostle Paul got to the end of his life and he found out when he was going to die. He says, the time of my departure is at hand. He's like, bring it. This is good. I'm, I'm going home. It's a picture that in that text, it, 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 the, the imagery of the word there is, is somebody who's been on the front lines of battle for a long time, and they finally get notice. Get ready. Get your stuff. The helicopter's here. You're going home. So this battle, there is this, isn't it, isn't it a hard and ugly battle that we experience? And it, and it won't go away till we breathe our last. So we, we, we have to deal with it. We have to own it. We have to keep on confessing our sins. Um, But what David does in Psalm 32 is he talks about the experience of it in his own life. And so that's what uh, the emphasis of this morning is. The ongoing everyday forgiveness, okay? There's forgiveness is a great and gracious gift. And what does it do for us? Okay, what, 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 what's in the box of God's greatness, his goodness to us regarding forgiveness? And this will seem odd. Uh, so give me a chance to explain. Um, Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. And to those whose spirit there is in whose spirit there is no deceit. For 
when I kept silent. So, so, so David is, is shouting the glories of forgiveness. Blessed, blessed of God. This is phenomenal. This is inexplicably great. Those who are forgiven. But he says, there was that time, maybe up to a year, where David kept covering the sin with little things like murder. So he says here, for when I kept silent, when I didn't address the sin in my life, he was the sweet psalmist of Israel, he was the king of Israel, but for this time, that sin so captivated him, he said, um, I kept silent, but my bones waxed away, my inside just died. For when I kept silent, my bones waxed away through my groaning all day long. So he was working at putting a happy face on. He was working on having this situation with Bathsheba not be noticed and just move on. And yet he was a tortured soul. And and without that tortured soul, without the, the ongoing convicting work of the Holy Spirit, David would have kept on a pattern of destruction and immorality, Right? So this is a weird thing to say, maybe, but there's one of the great blessings of forgiveness. One of the great things that God does for us for which we need to give him praise is shame. Shame. I mean, not just like feeling bad about yourself because somebody told you your head's too big um, or you don't have enough hair. But that guilt, how is, he's, he's saying, now, I, 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 before, I was, keep, when I kept silent, this was torturing me. And, and I wasn't able to deal with it. And that guilt was a constant reminder from God, David, we're not right. David being a man, you would like, you know, say a quick sorry and we're, we're good now, right? And, and, and God was not good with it, okay? So God in his grace provides shame to us. Not the kind of shame where I'm guilty, the kind of shame where I, I know that I'm guilty. God's not for you being guilty. He's not like, yeah, being guilty, that's good for you. No, but when you are feeling it, so, so how many fingers would you have left if you had no feelings in your hands and you were a carpenter. I know some carpenters have feeling in their hand, but they don't have, or farmers, they don't always have all the pieces left. We're in a church that's a lot of farmers, which is, I enjoy, but that, this, you know, it's like you need to get two or three of them together to get all the parts because <laughs> they get lost. Okay? So if you did not feel, this is, well, feeling guilt, that feels bad. It does feel bad. Not an artificial guilt, but when you know, you feel guilty because you violated God's law. You know what it says when that's guilt's there? He spoke to you, you heard it, and how God feels about what you're doing matters to you. Are those good things? Yeah, now, the, the, the shame itself, the guilty act, that's not good. But God's gift to us is he doesn't let us go on and continue to destroy our relationships and get farther and farther from him. His spirit produces a a nicer word is conviction, but it produces shame. It's like, Tim, that's wrong. Okay, uh, I'll I'll deal with it sometime. You got to deal with it now. 
And you don't like, well, you know, you know, I did something maybe wasn't the best. No, 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 no. God's spirit worked in David's heart so he could name the sin, excuse none of it, and take complete responsibility. So what's good about that? What's good about that is when I embrace that, the genuine shame of sinning against God, and I understand it, and I can come to him with the presence. If we keep on confessing our sins, he is faithful and just to keep on forgiving us. The once and done, yes, but since I was born in Christ and I'm born again, uh, I get dirty, don't you? And so I need a perpetual washing. Not getting saved again, you get saved once. So, so what, what's this blessings of forgiveness? Well, one of the blessings of forgiveness is the shame that God works in our hearts through his word and his spirit and the mouth of the Christian brother who's sharing it with you or your spouse or your child who points out God's truth to you and you feel shame. That's bad. No, that's, the act was, the act was shameful. It was bad. The fact that God through his spirit is, is having you own it and look it right in the eyeballs and say, it's sin and it's ugly and it's mine. That is a gift from God. Because if you didn't have that, how would you be living right now? How many, what number marriage would this be? How drunk would you be? Not just on the weekends. If you carried that guilt, that's why the world spends more, they, they have to do stuff to, to, if, if you don't have true forgiveness from your true guilt, then you have to um, do something to kill the pain, right? And, whether, and again, whether it's workaholism or alcoholism or drug abuse or, or arrogance or pride, whatever it is, you just got to keep doing this nah, 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 and try to get through life. But when real guilt comes where I brace it and that's God's spirit telling me, Tim, you sinned. Well, I kind of messed up. No, you sinned. I love you, but you sin. And if I don't have that, and if I don't acknowledge that, then I continue on a destructive path that destroys all my relationships. It, it gradually, not instantly, necessarily. So he said, okay, let me, let me uh, read a, uh, another translation of the same text. It says, oh, what a joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what a joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. But that blessing doesn't exist unless when I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. Strength evaporated like the water in the summer heat. And then there's that word selah, or like, think about it. You don't just turn a page, think about it. Yep, there's more to the psalm, but don't just rush, think about it. So real guilt, intrinsic guilt, you did the wrong thing. That kind of guilt, that's not good, that's sin. But when God's spirit opens your eyes to what you've done and, and the damage done, that's, that's, that's horrible. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's a horrible that's redemptive and good. Because without it, 
If God hadn't opened your eyes to be a sinner who was lost and dying and going to hell, would you be a believer today? You could pretend you're alive and shake your head. You wouldn't be a believer, would you? Somehow God's spirit took his word and had your number and it dawned on you. It isn't like you heard something necessarily new. It might have been new to you, but it's not necessarily new. It's just like, but it's like, whoa, whoa. I remember. I was a little kid, but I remember. I don't know what preceded it because the earliest memory I have, I am by, I am kneeling by my bed with my dad and I'm crying my eyes out and I'm asking Jesus to forgive me and become my savior. Childlike faith, God takes it. Actually, it's a model for him. He praises it. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be calling on Jesus, who, the Savior of the world, to be my Savior had I not been shown my sinfulness. I, you know, I didn't rob any banks you know, as a preschooler. Uh, but I, I did find a way to sin because if it's in your nature, you find a way to express it. So just think about that one. It doesn't seem like a gift. But where would you be if you weren't convinced that your life was filled with sin before? Where would you be? Would you be here? Be someplace else. Why would you come to church? You don't need God. Why pray? You don't need him. But we do. And so shame, that kind of shame, not the actual guilty shame, you did it, so you should be ashamed. But the feeling of shame or conviction It's God's kindness to you. It's God saying, okay, what you're doing hurts our relationship, and I'm not good with that. I want our relationship restored. Is that a good thing? God wants, when you sin, to sense the feeling of guilt so you will own it and you can be restored. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Pretty um, If I'm going to give you a quick, uh, a trick question, I'll tell you ahead of time. Just go, go on simple face. It's a great gift. He didn't let us go on and, and destroy everything. He stops, he, and he does it out of love. He hounds us, doesn't he? You get away from it, you put your fingers in your ear, and then another way, another verse, another person, something, and it reminds you, or you just get quiet, and it all comes rushing back on you. Feels horrible, because it is horrible. You're guilty. But that guilt leads you to the second great blessing of um, forgiveness, this day-to-day forgiveness, is the forgiveness itself, okay? In verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you. And acknowledge isn't like, okay, I acknowledge the fact, okay, there may, there may be things that weren't so good that maybe I did someday. That's... That's a politician. Okay. That's on the news at five, you know. Uh, well, it wasn't wrong, and I didn't really intend it to be wrong, but you took it was wrong. Sorry for you. He says, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. So God used shame in David's life to bring him to a place of repentance. Okay. I said, I will confess my transgressions. I will own them. I will, I, I will own them. I will, confession is, it is sin, it is mine, and I have no good reason. And I know it hurts you, God. 
And it may have hurt her or him. Hurting? Hurt it. <laughs> it may have hurt. Shouldn't have been any ED on the end there. Okay. It may have hurt others. God says, ultimate, ultimately, that's true that our sin affects people. But ultimately, the sin is against God himself. Sometimes we can deal with that um, without a lot of, you know, not real, not get as serious about it as we should right away. Because, you know, we know God's everywhere, but I don't see him in the room today. But the, he is. He is. So, I acknowledge my sin. I didn't cover it up. Didn't excuse it. You know, just like, that's why Psalm 51 is such a, a wonderful companion text to this. Because it involves the same sin. But there's no... This is true. What he said there is, is, what he's saying here is what he did there. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. When sin is confessed, God forgives it completely. Finally, I confessed my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave all my guilt is gone. All. And then there's one of those Selah words again, just think about it. How, how far gone? We mentioned that earlier in, the, in that absolute forgiveness that comes to us when we uh, are born again. But it's, how far is, as far as the east is from the west, it's gone. Depths of the sea. After I can, I don't know how this works. God's bigger than our brain. But, but God says, after I honestly own my sin, it was sin, no excuse, no blaming other contributors. It was sin, it was mine, and it was against you, God. I chose me and my pleasure or my convenience over you. Those things were more important to me than you. And that's awful, and it's sin, and it's mine. When I confess it, that sin is deleted. Now, I know that I'm not a computer guy. I don't know that you can tell that I'm not. I have them. Even have a phone. don't know what it all does, but I have a phone. But what gone means is gone. There's an old song. I learned it as a kid. Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Anybody that old? Saved that long? Yeah. So, hey. It's 12 of us. <laughs> but I don't know if it was a great theological, but it was a, it, that's the truth. That, maybe it was a little repetitive. <laughs> but it was a truth that bears repeating. When I confess my sin and own it without excuse, completely without excuse, there's this glorious blessing that my sins are gone. I'll still hold in my mind the guilt sometimes, you idiot, you loser. <coughs> I don't know how this works. I don't know how God spoke and the worlds came into existence. Okay? But he says, for me, it's gone. What a glorious thing forgiveness is. God gives us the guilt that we need. He doesn't give us the intrinsic guilt of doing bad. He gives us the feeling of guilt or conviction so that we come to him and ask for forgiveness. And when we forget, when he forgives us, the sin is gone. But something even, okay, now there's one last truth in this, in this text. There is the restoration of relationship. It's not like, I forgave you. I just don't ever want to see you again. 
Well, there's a warm, that's a Hallmark card, huh? It, it, might, it might sell uh, for some circumstances, but not forgiveness, okay? Here's what he's, he, uh, let's, let's uh, finish the text. Look at verse 6. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when, when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. So he says, here's, here's what happens. You, okay, so, you know, you've been in a relationship with somebody, and, and you, you, you do something wrong, and you, you eventually own it, and you ask for forgiveness. And then they're not talking to you. How's that going? It is human. It's, it's something we experience. It's something we do sometimes. But, but the joy here is God didn't say, okay, okay, I, I forgive you. There are some caveats, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll restore 10%, because I'm a generous God, I'll, support, I'll, I'll restore 10% of our friendship um, every year for 10 years. And then we'll be good. Fortunately for you and for me, that's not the God who is. Because once he forgives us, he is ready, because that's what it's about. Him pointing out your sin and him forgiving your sin is about restoring relationship that he died to make. He died to be in a personal relationship with you, saved you from your sin. And so he, he doesn't want, you know, and, and it's hard for us as human beings with the sinful limitations that we have. It's like, okay, I forgive you, but you know, you know, it's going to take a while. And, and, and humanly speaking, as human beings, that's just a reality. But God, who you think would be madder longer, because he knows everything. When I confess my sin, I own it. He doesn't say, okay, let's just see how this goes now. I'll, I'll, don't call me, I'll call you, and, and we'll, we'll see what we can do as a relationship. It's instantly restored. Instantly restored. I will instruct you, verse 8, and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my, upon my, God says, I'm in, I'm back. I'm going to counsel you. I'm going to coach you. I'm not going to say, hey, look, you did that again. <laughs> You're on your own. I mean, you mess up so many times. You don't listen to me. Could God say that? I mean, he couldn't say that to you because it wouldn't be God. Okay. But theoretically, he could say that. Not really. But that's not what God's doing. Right away, when he owned his sin, he restored relationship and began to work in and through his life again. And sometimes it takes, it, it doesn't seem this way, but it's true. It takes us longer to forgive ourselves than God. Because God does it when we truly repent. Not in installments, correct? Whole deal right away when we truly repent. And, and, and sometimes even the best of friends, it's like, Okay, just give me, you're going to need a little time for this one. That was my best car you wrecked. No. <laughs> Whatever, sin. He says, I'll, I'll teach you. I'll get back. I'll coach you through this. I'll restore your life and ministry. I'll, I'll, I'll be there. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I'm, I've got you. You don't go to second string. You don't go to the back of the line. <laughs> You don't go to the loser compartment. 
He says, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Because he died. So that there wouldn't be sin between us. He made us and we sinned. And, and he died to take that away. So he's not going to say, okay, you keep asking me to forgive you. Just see how many, you know, I'll tell you when I'm ready. He's ready. He's ready for reconciliation. Sometimes we aren't with people because we understand they may not be sincere or reliable. But the bottom line is, if you honestly own the sin and, and confess it, God's inst- instantly, your rel- it doesn't mean that there aren't repercussions to bad choices you make. But as far as God's concerned, his ear is open to you. You don't have to earn his attention and affection. Many, verse uh, 10, let me go back because he He gets to insult us all a little bit. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a dumb horse or mule. He didn't say dumb horse, but the mule part there. Don't be a stubborn mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle. Don't, or it will not stay near you. He says, this is time. You own your sin and come back. Many are the sorrows of the wicked. But the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. Not the mess you just made. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. He's calling them O righteous. What's with that? Because when God forgives, he forgives. He doesn't justify what you did. He forgives. If you, re- if you take that as a, as, a, as a free ride ticket at Disney World um, and just sin like you want, then, then you never repent it. You never ask for forgiveness. You just ask for uh, a free ride. Be glad. Okay. Many of the sorrows of the wicked at the end of uh, at the chapter, verse 10, excuse me. But steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. Yeah, but I still mess this thing up, and there's still consequences to my sinful choice, aren't there? Do they always go away immediately? Sometimes they don't go away till you're dead, right? He says, but so be glad in, in the fact that you crashed and burned for a while? No, be glad in the Lord. I mean, this is how, what, where can, if I... How, how could David, I mean, so David's life never can come up in time and eternity without somebody else's name coming up, right? And yet he feels, because he is completely restored and in fellowship and he, he, writes, he writes psalms under the inspiration of God, obviously, about the situations and his guilt and his struggles and his restoration. And, and he, how, it's because... It's because of the grace of his great God and the genuineness of his repentance. He stands forgiven. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Almost sounds like a glorious worship song, doesn't it? He says, we should be overwhelmed with God's grace and forgiving us once and for all as lost sinners. There's nothing greater than that. But really close to it. 
is the fact that as we continue struggling as sinners, he provides a way for us to be, you know, if you keep wiping off a clean slate, did you ever notice it gets grayer? You know, it's like, okay, I can't, the words are still kind of there, but not as bright. God's, I don't know how God does it. I don't know how he, he does a lot of things. How does he love us? But when he looks at the slate, what does he see? He sees the righteousness of his son. He sees someone he loves who are forgiven. If the debt is forgiven, you owe what? Nothing. Okay, we can say gratitude and stuff like that, but, but substantially, substantially, nothing. Forgiveness is a glorious thing. None of us would get to heaven without it. And none of us would get through life without it. And none of us would stay married without it. It's true, wouldn't it? Isn't that true? And it's available to all lost sinners. He wants them all saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's what he wants. And for you and for me as believers, it goes down to that. that it always fascinated me that it's a simple verse you learn when I was a little kid. But First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... And literally, he's saying, if we keep on confessing our sins, he's faithful and just to keep on forgiving us our sins and to keep on cleansing us, washing us clean of what? All unrighteousness. All. Isn't that amazing? After saving us from all our sins, and then we... And we sin. He still wants to make it right because he loves us. And all we have to do is own our sins. So, forgiveness. Where would we be without it? The only thing that keeps us from enjoying the ongoing, the, the eternal and the ongoing uh, blessing of forgiveness is the Acknowledgement of our sin and the falling upon God's grace. And I don't know, I don't know um, what your situation is today. But I think all of us in one way or another need to fall on his grace, right? Some for salvation. But some for the things we said this morning. Or did last night. We... We, we don't know, see, so we have to confess our sins. No, 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 no. You get to confess your sins. You get to be clean. Isn't it discouraged when you're dirty again? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm an idiot. Walk right into that one. Hey, God, it's me again, and it's it again, Right? That's from our point of view. From God's point of view is, you own the sin, I died to forgive you. When you confess it, when you own it, it's gone. So get back here with me. We got work to do. You're not fired. People can fire you. God doesn't fire you. If you're a child, he doesn't fire you. So, I don't know what you, where you are in, in, in relationship to forgiveness this morning, but I trust that somewhere in here, 
you received a rebuke or an encouragement or both to rejoice in the forgiveness that is in Christ for us. Thank you for listening to Treasuring Scripture. It's our desire that every Christian treasure God's Word in their heart. To follow our podcast, please hit the subscribe button. If you're interested in learning more about our church, please visit LebanonBaptist.org.